Again, every week, glad that you're here, glad that you made the effort to be here. I want to encourage you every week to be thinking about who you can bring. Uh, the, the greatest way we can increase the efficiency and the effectiveness of what we're doing on Thursdays, uh, the easiest thing is just to grab somebody and say, hey, it's going to be an awesome lunch. We're going to go there for an hour. We're going to hear the word of God. And, and hey, let me pick you up or, or I'll meet you there and you invite somebody to join you. So be thinking about uh, who you can invite to join us on Thursdays. And we're, and we're going to keep praying that God blesses our Thursday men's lunch. As Christians, uh, our eyes are to be on Jesus. And that's, that's the truth. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 2 says uh, that we are fixing our eyes on Jesus. Uh, as Christians, we are Jesus people. We are Jesus focused. We are Jesus minded. We are Jesus centered. Uh, that's why they call us Christians. We, we've taken on the, the image of Jesus Christ that we follow. And that's why they called the original Christian Christians. As Christians, we are to be Jesus-focused. We're to be Jesus-centered. Uh, the Bible says he is our creator. John chapter 1, Jesus is our creator. He is our Lord. He is our master. He is our redeemer. He is our savior. He is our king. Uh, we as Christians, we're to be Jesus-centered. Well, today... Uh, we're going to look at Jesus, uh, maybe in a light that we, we, we sometimes don't come to very frequently, but we're going to look at Jesus as our example. Jesus as our example. Again, we're going verse by verse through 1 Peter. Uh, we're in the second chapter. We're, we're going to look at verses 21 through 25 today. Uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 21 through 25. Uh, we started some time back going through every single verse in this letter that, first, that Peter writes, the letter of 1 Peter, and we're going to continue in that today. I'm going to go ahead and read all of our verses, and then we'll come back and look at those verses. Uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, beginning in the 21st verse. It says this, For you have been called for this purpose, since Christ also suffered for you, leaving an example for you to follow in his steps, who committed no sin, nor was any deceit found in his mouth. And while being reviled, he did not revile in return. While suffering, he uttered no threats, but kept entrusting himself to him who judges righteously. And he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. For by his wounds you were healed. For you were continually straying like sheep, but now you have returned to the shepherd and guardian of your souls. Again, we're going to look at each verse piece by piece. Starting there in the 21st verse, it starts off and it says this. For you have been called... For this purpose, talking to Christians, talking to the recipients of this letter, uh, talking to us again today, for you have been called for this purpose. Now, if you remember last week, uh, we saw that as Christians, we are called to a purpose that is bigger than ourselves. Uh, we're not self-focused. We're not self-serving, but we're called to a purpose that is bigger than ourselves. And that is the cause of Jesus Christ. Well, the second thing we saw last week is if we actually take up that cause, we will suffer unjustly. Uh, we're not going to suffer uh, correctly. We're going to suffer unjustly for things uh, we didn't deserve, things we didn't do. And that's the biblical truth that we see last week. As Christians, we're called to take up a cause bigger than ourselves. That is the cause of Jesus Christ. If we actually take up that cause, we are going to suffer unjustly. That is the biblical truth, and we look around today, that is the reality. Well, 
Today, Peter starts and he says, and he's building upon that, he says, for you have been called for this purpose. You've been called to this cause, and so evidently you've been called to suffer for the cause. Now that's a hard thing to understand, but that's what Jesus is saying here. You know what? You're called to this mission. And if you take up this mission, you're going to suffer. You're going to suffer sorrow for that mission. But Jesus says, you know what? Evidently you've been called for this purpose. You've been called to suffer. Let me tell you the truth today. Let me tell you the fact today. As soon as you got saved, as soon as you by faith Profess Jesus Christ as your Lord, you became an enemy of Satan and you exist from then on as in opposition to the world. Now that's the truth. Sometimes we act like, well, you know what? You can still participate in the world. The world's still going to like you and, and Satan's not going to have too big of an issue with you. Maybe he'll let you slide by. The truth is when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you became an enemy of Satan and you now exist in opposition to the world. And let me tell you this, and both of them are bent for your destruction. Do you hear that? Satan is bent for your destruction. The Bible says he came to steal and to kill and destroy. The world is bent for your destruction. They don't want to see you prosper as a follower of Jesus Christ. They don't want to see you successful in the mission. They are bent for your destruction. What that means is this. As Christians, we can no longer fit into the mold of the world. And we think, well, I, I think maybe I can pull it off and I'll, I'll be successful in the world and I won't have to compromise my faith in Jesus Christ. That's not the biblical truth. The biblical truth is you're now in opposition to the world and more than that, the world is opposed to you. We are hated and we are opposed by the world because of faith in Jesus Christ. I think maybe sometimes we need to start telling men, you know what, the goal today is not to fit in, but rather the goal is to stand out. We start teaching our kids, you know what you need to do? You need to put the shoes on like everybody else and you need to wear clothes like everybody else and you want to excel in these sports and these things like everybody else. I want to tell you the goal is not to fit in, but the goal for a Christian is to stand out. That's what the Bible says. And the Bible says, you know what? When you take up that cause, you're going to suffer unjustly. But for this, you were called. You're in opposition to the world and you're hated by Satan. Look at verse the rest of verse 21 it says this, for you've been called for this purpose since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example. And that's what we're talking about today. Christ is our example, leaving you an example for you to follow in his steps. Here's the point today. Jesus is our example. And we might say, well, yes, he's our example in life. Yes, he's our example in Christian service. I want to tell you today, the Bible is telling us here, Jesus is also our example in suffering. Because of our life and because of our service, which are grounded in him, because of our faith in him, we're going to suffer. And the Bible is telling us, you know what? He is our example in suffering. It says following his steps. He's our example following his steps. What that means very plainly is this. We're to do what he did. We're to follow where he led. We're to look at his example. We're to emulate and we're to copy that example. Now let me stop right here for just a second and point something out. Uh, the Bible is very clear 
And in fact, Peter tells us this. Paul tells us this as well. A great testimony to the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ, a great testimony to our Savior Jesus Christ is how well we stand under suffering. That's why this is written here. You know what? A great testimony to Jesus Christ, a great testimony to the power of the gospel is how well we stand under suffering. You see, the truth is this. You will not stand if it's not real. You will not stand if it's not true. You're not going to stand if it's not life-changing. You're not going to stand if you not believe with all your heart that this is our only hope. How well we stand under suffering points to Jesus Christ. How well we stand under suffering points to the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now look around today. Somebody says, you know what, I had this experience and man, I'm big in the church and, and I get involved, but then the pressure starts in and they squirt out the sides and they disappear. That's kind of what it looks like. But you find a person and you know what, they're, they're railed upon by the world and, the, and, the, and, the, and Satan can't let them go and the world can't let them go and, and the heaps of trouble pour down on them. How well they suffer points to the power of Jesus Christ and the truth of his gospel. That's the truth. And so we're told, so you know what, look to Jesus. You know what, follow his example. See the picture here. Why would we look to Jesus? Now, I'm going to pull this out of these verses here. So why would we look to Jesus? See this. The Bible says this. Okay, he's my example. I'm going to look to him and how to suffer. First thing is to understand this. He committed no sin. That's what the Bible says. We did. I did. But you know what? He committed no sin. Second thing is this. It says no deceit was found in his mouth. Now, I'll just tell you, it is in our mouth. We lie, we gossip, we slander, we speak falsely. But you know what? There was no deceit found in Jesus' mouth. He was reviled. He didn't deserve to be reviled. He suffered. He did nothing worthy of suffering. He is perfect. He is love. He came to save at the cost of himself. He is kind. He is gracious. He is merciful. No evil, no evil intent ever came out of him. No sin ever took control and he participated in it. And yet the Bible says he is suffering, he is beaten, and he is rejected. Now start to see that picture there. Here's Christ and he's perfect. And he's loving and he's gracious and he's kind and he came and he, he sacrificed his own self, his own blood and his own pain on the cross to purchase us back. And he is suffering. You know what? We, we did sin. We did mess up. If anybody deserves to be hated, I do. We do. If anybody deserves to be reviled, I do. We do. He didn't. He doesn't. And yet he suffers. Look at verse 24. And he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. For by his wounds you were healed. Now listen to that again. This is, this is the example. And he himself, he didn't commit any sin. When he was threatened, he didn't utter threats. He didn't revile and return. And yet he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. For by his wounds we are healed. Our example doesn't sin when given every opportunity to sin. He doesn't sin. In fact, the Bible tells us he hates sin. And yet we see here in verse 24, 
Jesus, absolutely holy, perfect, can have no part of sin. The Bible says he bore our sin. That means that he stands up under the weight of our sin. He picks up the weight of my condemnation. He picks up the weight of your guilt and he stands under the weight of our sin. But it's not just standing under the weight. It says in his body. The Bible says he actually becomes our sin. Can you imagine how tremendous that is? The perfect lamb of God who knew no sin, who had never sinned. He doesn't just pick up the weight of the sin. He becomes that sin. And then as God's wrath is poured out on that sin, the Bible says he goes to the cross. Where having he never sinned, where he'd never done anything wrong, where he had committed no crime of his own, completely innocent. He comes as love and he is rejected and he's mocked and he's stripped naked and he's whipped and he's nailed to the cross and his blood pours out and there nailed on the cross, he's sucking, gasping for air, the air that he created and there on the cross, he dies. The Bible says so that we might die to sin, so we might live to righteousness, so that through his wounds we might be healed. And it's talking about our salvation there. And that is our example. How am I going to be able to suffer? Well, I look at Jesus. Well, you know what? I I, I think this is too bad. I'm going to tell you it wasn't near as bad as that. You know what? This is not justified. This isn't right. I didn't deserve this. You know what? Not near like that. He didn't deserve that. You know what, this hurts and this is painful. I'm not sure I like this pain. I'm going to tell you, not near as much as that. And so it's in our suffering that we look to Jesus for the example in how to suffer. Didn't sin, didn't revile, didn't hate, of no crime of his own, butchered on the cross of Calvary. And that is our example in how to suffer. Now I want to tell you, I, I, I read these verses and I'll just tell you, be honestly, sometimes you think, well, crud, am I sure I want to follow Jesus Christ? Man, this, this, seemed, this wasn't the message I'm told. I thought we were going to get new cars and great jobs and we we're going to prosper and reign with him. And he says, all of a sudden, we're going to suffer. And, and in fact, he tells us how bad it's going to be. And he says, look at me, I'll be your example as we walk through it. Friends, this is why he says you better count the cost in Luke 14. Friends, this is why he says you're going to have to take up the cross, the instrument of death, and you're going to have to pick it up and get on it and die to yourself and then live with him in Matthew chapter 16. That's the biblical truth, God's truth. We're called to a mission that's bigger than ourselves. When we take up that mission and if we actually commit to it, we're going to suffer and we're going to have sorrow because of the cause that we've undertaken. But the biblical truth is in our suffering, our example is Jesus. Our Savior, our Lord, who suffered for us. But here's what we do. So what do we do about that? Look at verse 23. It says this. But he kept entrusting himself to him who judges righteously. Here's our example. We hear what he did. We hear why he did it. But it says here, but he kept entrusting himself to him who judges righteously righteously. What that means is this. God is trustworthy. God is faithful. His 
His plan is the plan that bears fruit. His, his plan is the plan that brings forth righteousness out of unrighteous people. His plan is the plan that's going to be victorious. And so Jesus kept entrusting himself to the master's plan, to the plan of God. He says, you know what? I can trust that he's faithful. I can't see the end of this. I don't know how going to this cross is going to make any sense, but I trust that God is faithful. And I trust that he is trustworthy. I trust that his plan is going to result in the redemption of sinful people. And so I trust myself to him and I submit to the plan of God. And that's our picture. How are you going to endure suffering? You're going to submit to the plan of God, trusting he's faithful in that plan. Look at the last picture here, verse 25. It says this, For you are continually straying like sheep. That's the story of our life. For you were continually straying like sheep, but now you have returned to the shepherd and the guardian of your soul. See the picture here. We sin. We get off track. We waste time. We waste days. We waste entire years. We take up causes that didn't matter. We, we take up poor priorities in our life, and that's what we do. We're like sheep, and we're scattered everywhere, and we stray everywhere. But it says this, but there's a turning point. And now... In Christ and now serving the mission of Christ and especially now is because of that we're suffering for Christ. The picture is this. We have a shepherd and that shepherd leads us and that shepherd cares for us. And that shepherd, when the wolves come and the hard times come, that, that shepherd, and it's talking about Jesus here, he's gonna protect us. Do you see the picture here? And it says this, and the guardian of our souls. That word guardian, the, the Greek word means overseer. It means this. You know what? You put your faith in Jesus Christ. And you know what? When you did, he gave us a commission. He said, we're to take the gospel every single place. He says, you take up my cause and it's going to be costly and you're going to stand in opposition to the world and the world's going to hate you and Satan's going to attack you. But he says, you know what? You look to my example. And he says, not only that, while you're looking at my example, I'm going to be like a loving shepherd and I'm going to walk with you and I'm going to care for you and I'm going to provide along the way. But he also says, we have a guardian who's going to lead us all the way home. An overseer who will take us home. And that's how we endure suffering as a follower of Jesus Christ. My Savior is the guardian, the overseer of my soul. And he's going to walk me home. Praise God for his truth. I'm going to ask if you'll stand. I'll leave us in a word of prayer. We'll be dismissed. Let's pray. During Father, we come, and I'm thankful for the truth of your word. And I'm thankful that you didn't bait us and switch us. That you tell us, you know what, there's a cause. And if we take the cause, we're going to be in opposition to a sorry world. Satan's not going to be able to stand us any longer. He's going to attack us. But you also tell us, you know what, we're going to follow the great shepherd. He's going to walk with us. He's going to care for our souls. He's going to walk us home. And you give us the example in suffering. I pray for the men in this room, first off, that we would put our faith in Jesus Christ. I pray for some here that do not know Jesus as their Lord and Savior, that today they would put their faith in Jesus. Today, by faith, they would proclaim, He is my Lord, He is my hope, and I put my trust in Him. But I also pray for many of us here that have taken that step, but we've never taken the step of understanding there's a cause to get in, and there's a cause to get behind. 
And he calls us to take up something bigger than ourselves. And I pray for men here as they go back to their homes and as they go back to their jobs and they go back to the, to the, the realm of influence that they have, that they would go knowing I have a commission by my Savior. I have a cause that's bigger than myself and that they would undertake it. But I also know that you told us and you warned us there's going to be suffering that comes with that. There's going to be sorrow that comes with that. I pray that in that we would fix our eyes upon Christ. In that we would look to His example. In that we would trust His care. In that we would trust His plan. And I pray the result would be this, that we walk out of this room, not as men that came for a lunch and to hear a token word out of a Bible study, but we would come as men empowered by the Spirit of God and we would leave out of here on a mission with a commission and a job and a cause and we would stand for the truth of Jesus Christ. Pray that we would change a lost and dying world, that we would show the hope that we have. and We'd be prepared to present it and to tell it with our mouths, our lips. Help us in that. Pray for the men here today. Bless them, encourage them, teach them, use them, be glorified in them. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen.